Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, February 5th, 2024. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So last week was a big week in terms of Harvard issuing interview invitations and stuff. But what what's on the horizon? I mean, we're still in the in the midst of round two, and I think there are a lot of people still waiting for word, right, for schools they applied to with respect to interview invitations. Yeah, you're very good at sort of um, predicting something <laughs> that hasn't actually happened yet as we're recording. Right. But we, yeah, well, it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Harvard for Wednesday. We're recording actually Wednesday morning Europe time. Um, yeah. Um, so that'll be a, a big, big deal. Um, Fuqua on 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 Friday um, with their round two um, interview invites, which will be um, very good too. And lots of schools, you know, that don't have these specific dates that they release, but release over a good period of time. Lots of activity from those schools in terms of interview invites. I'd say for for that activity, we're we're starting to hit into the peak weeks. Um, for, for folks to expect um, um, to, you know, to be hearing. And when I say that, there'll be still schools like Yale and Haas and a few others that stretch it right out. So for those that haven't um, received the good news yet, it's certainly we're weeks away from it being too late. Yeah, and I think I would put maybe Stanford and yeah. Stern in that bucket too. Yeah, there are schools that just sort of trickle them out. Yeah. Uh, we did see, I don't know if we talked about it last week, I can't remember because my life has been a little bit of a blur over the last week, but we, you know, Chicago Booth did their um, invites. They all came out in a in a batch or two, right? Last, yeah. I think it was last week, I want to say. So yeah, so there's a lot of activity and I think most people, uh, if they're fortunate enough to have gotten invitations are really in the throes of interview preparation. And we've been started to run some content on the website about that, uh, as we always do this time of year. So we've got a really nice admissions tip up about interview etiquette, you know, just about, I mean, there are lots of tips in there. My favorite tip is, you know, be wary of how you treat everyone that you encounter if you're going to a campus to do an interview. Uh, I just always remember it when we were at Wharton, you know, the the people at the front desk, um, Renee and, and company, as you probably recall, they, they would kind of keep an eye on <laughs> how people behaved. And, and you know, we would kind of sometimes find out if someone was kind of a jerk <laughs> while waiting and then very nice to the admissions officer they interviewed with. So anyway, there's all kinds of good advice on the website about interviewing and, and videos that we've recorded, Alex, you yeah, and yeah. I to accompany. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I should mention is that later today, if you're tuning in when this podcast first airs on Monday, the, the 5th of February, at noon Eastern, you and I are going to get together and do our Clear Admit Plus monthly webinar, which is essentially an Ask Me Anything so people can sign up for that. Just go to the website, hit Clear Admit Plus. Um, anyone who's registered on the site, which is a free thing to do, um, can sign up and, and come and join this webinar. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then, Alex, we have a bunch of events this week. It's kind of crazy. On, on February 7th at noon Eastern, that's Wednesday, uh, I'm going to sit down and moderate a panel with admissions officers from Berkeley, Carnegie Mellon, Columbia, Harvard, and Darden. And these are all about these schools' future leaders or deferred enrollment type programs. So these are for college students um, who are thinking about securing a seat in an MBA program while they're still in college and then going off and working for a couple of years before joining the MBA. So join us for that. We've got um, 
Also, another thing that's happening is on February 8th, so Thursday, again at noon Eastern, we're doing like a, a live chat, Ask Me Anything, with uh, University of California Irvine Mirage School Business. And again, that's up on our website. If you just click the events button on our homepage, you can sign up for that. And then next week on the 14th for Valentine's Day, uh, we're going to be sitting down with Chicago Booth, Wharton, and Yale, again, talking deferred enrollment. So this is for college students and anyone who's in maybe a master's program, but that they started straight out of college. So if you know anyone, if you're tuned in and you're an older candidate who's applying traditionally, but you know younger folks out there, let them know that we're doing these events. You can sign up for these at bit.ly forward slash DE. Feb 24, so D-E-F-E-B 24, all lowercase, all on, all one word. Very good. So those, it's a lot going on, Alex. Yes, no, good <laughs> luck with all that. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wanted to ask you, um, I, I, you were actually the first one to kind of tell me about this, but it looks like LBS announced that they're going to offer a one-year MBA. Um, that's probably reverberating all the way to Fontainebleau, where INSEAD is, is, is located. Um, but what, what do you make of that? It sounds like it's a one-year MBA offering, but only for people who already have a master's in um, business from you know, either LBS or another business school. Um, but what do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, it's for those that have those one-year master's programs coming straight out of undergrad. Um, and it doesn't have to be an LBS uh, master's. Mm-hmm. It can come from any sort of um, um, accredited institution. I think it's a brilliant idea, quite honestly, because what we're seeing is more and more top schools um, creating these one-year master's programs, MIMS, master in finance, master's in whatever, and LBS has several of these types of programs. Um, so one of my sort of thoughts to that has always been they're effectively cannibalizing their MBA product, mm-hmm. um, their traditional MBA. And, you know, maybe someone listened because the this to me is a really good sort of um, alternative to that. So it's providing or opening the door for these folks to still do their MBA um, after that sort of, um, you know, two or three years of experience or whatever. Um, Whereas before, those one-year um, degree holders would would find it challenging to get into a top MBA program because I mean really it's, it's becoming a little bit redundant. So, so I I find this move really good. Yeah, and also I think part of it is that it was a two-year endeavor for most of them, right? Yes. So it's like, well, I already did a year. Am I going to do two more years just to get the yeah, MBA? Exactly. Whereas now you can kind of combine the two. Uh, yeah. So interesting news out of LVS. They also announced they have a new dean coming on board. Uh, they've announced the replacement for. Um, um, uh, what is it, uh, Arnie Longboy, who had been uh, kind of head of admissions, overseeing all programs. So they, they've had a lot of um, big news coming out of LBS. So interesting stuff. We'll stay tuned and see how this evolves. Uh, I did want to mention over on the website, we ran two sets of Real Humans stories where we connected with students. Uh, the first one was at a French business school called ESCP, uh, one of the top business schools in France. Um, and they have a nice kind of small program. It's like 83 students. Uh I was looking at some of the stats, like 55% women and pretty much entirely international. So we, we connected with a bunch of students from their program. And I thought you'd be interested to know that um, I was looking at where these folks are from. And so, you know, the, the students we spoke with are from Mauritius, Germany, 
via Cairo, apparently, uh, Lebanon, France, and China. So very kind of international crowd. Uh, I did um, pull a quote. There was a woman named Sirene who is the one from Germany, and she said, one thing I would absolutely do again as part of the admissions process is to highlight all the extracurricular projects and activities I was a part of, including the ones during my professional experience. It was very important to show my curiosity for various topics and interests that I have outside of my educational and professional paths, and to show, when applicable, how I included them in my professional career. For example, having an impact with an NGO, with the support of my company. So again, just the importance of, I mean, you and I talk about this a lot, but these sort of outside activities and interests that make someone a well-rounded candidate, you don't want to shy away from that stuff. That can really often, I think, be kind of the difference maker. No, I agree. I think, as you said, it can be the difference maker. So I don't think it's fundamental, i.e. what is fundamental for candidates is academic record, professional experience, um, and so forth. But what often differentiates the real quality candidate is some of this additional stuff. And we hark on about it all the time. Um, so yep. yeah, it's good yeah. good that this this student um, highlights it. But if they listen to our show, Graham, they'd have known that going in. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> and I will say, I think one thing that happens is that a lot of these top schools, everyone applying kind of has the requisite numbers and so an academics. Well, not and, everyone. Let's so, say 50, 60 no. percent, <laughs> right? So the point right. is, the, had, the, the competitive how do you drill down from those that are admissible to those that are admitted. And oftentimes that point of differentiation might come from those extra um, curricular activities. Yeah, exactly. So the other um, Real Humans that we did was with uh, University of Maryland, the Smith School, again, connected with six students there. They have a super small full-time MBA. It's only 55 students, so it's probably very close-knit. And I wanted to share a quote from uh, Zainab, who is originally from the D.C. Baltimore metro area, and she said, I had a great application process, thankfully. However, I do wish I'd started and submitted my application earlier. I think it's important to reflect early and manage one's time and application deadlines. I would encourage others to overestimate the time needed and allocated towards the application process. So just good advice as, you know, I presume some of the folks tuned in um, to this show are maybe early birds. And so, yeah, getting out in front of your application journey is important. It does take more time than most people imagine. Yeah, I mean, again, you could you can do it quickly, but the quality of the application is is not going to be there. Right. Um, exactly. So, and and also try to avoid late rounds anyway, because even if you're admitted in a late round, and the admit rates will be much lower, let's say in round three than round two. But even if you're admitted in a late round, then you've got to make decisions in a in a shortened time frame in terms of where you're going. Then you've got to relocate. I mean, everything. It, gets condensed. And that's much more important for international candidates. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, you can read on the website if you're interested in uh, University of Maryland or ESCP in Paris. Uh, we also did a Fridays from the Frontline story about Fuqua, uh, the business school at Duke. And it's just a, um, a student sort of snapshot about her pivot to brand management. So she came in, she'd done some digital marketing work in her career and wanted to really get into like owning a brand and helping with brand management for a company. So she just kind of walks through all the stuff that she did to kind of make it. And it's it's fascinating. If you're someone who's interested in that, 
definitely read the article because, you know, she just talks about some of the clubs and, and companies that come to campus and just learning about what that role entails. So head over to the website if you're thinking about Fuqua or if you're just interested in brand management in general. Um, other than that, before we get into this week's candidates, I wanted to mention that, and I don't know when this is going to come out, but a couple of days ago, I recorded a special episode of the podcast with uh, a professor at Georgetown McDonough who runs their kind of leadership training stuff. Um, and so it was her and actually a current, or not a current student, a, a recent grad of the program. And I didn't know about this, but they have this crazy kind of leadership challenge uh, that they run at, at Georgetown. It's like this whole day kind of simulation around where like they get alumni to come back and pretend to be executives from different companies. And you're kind of thrown into these sort of business decisions uh, in real time. <laughs> and and so anyway, the, the show's about that and about how they thought training leaders, it's it's more, you can't just read cases or, or learn about it in class. You got to get out there and kind of be put into these kind of simulations. So I had a lot of fun recording that. I think it's going to air in the next week or so, but stay tuned. <laughs> nice. Very, very good. Yeah. So as always, people can write to us, Alex, if they write to info at clearadmit.com, use the subject line wiretaps. And uh, yeah, let's get into the candidates, though. I mean, unless you have anything else. <laughs> no, very good. Let's kick on. All right. So this is wiretaps candidate number one. Our first candidate this week has nine schools on the target list, and those schools are Columbia, Duke, Harvard, LBS, MIT, Kellogg, Chicago Booth, Wharton, and Darden. They want to start school in the fall of 2025, so they're an early bird. Uh, their pre-MBA career um, includes working in education. Uh, they've, they've got a legal background and a military background, which we'll explain more in detail as we go here. They want to get into consulting after business school, and they're looking at the big three, Bain, BCG, and McKinsey. This person's GMAT score is a 740. They have a 3.5 undergraduate GPA. They do have 10 years of work experience. They're currently located in Europe. And just to give you some background on the work experience, they did like two years of teaching uh, high school math with Teach for America. Then they went off and attended a top 10 law school where they earned a, a law degree. Uh, and then they decided that um, they, they always were interested in business, but they decided they would wait on the MBA. And they went and worked for a few years as a um, big law associate uh, before then taking uh, a different direction and heading off to do five years as an active duty Army JAG, uh, currently managing a team of 18 attorneys specializing in sexual assault cases. Um, and that's, they mentioned, that's pretty high visibility work because of the congressional interest in this stuff. Um, I should mention JAG stands for Judge Advocate General, which you may have already known, Alex, but it's basically being a lawyer in the military. Uh, it was also a TV series many moons ago, um, but in any event. <laughs> so, so this person you know, they want to go off to business school, but they've they've been out there, right? 10 years, they went to law school, they worked in a law firm, now in the military. So, you know, I don't know what you make of this, Alex. It's kind of an interesting profile, but certainly not traditional. <laughs> yeah, not traditional. And yeah, I do know, I do know what JAG is because I Googled it before we came on air. <laughs> but I did remember there it was you go. a TV show and stuff. It so, was, yeah. I, yeah. I looked it up. It got a, you know, 6.7 yeah. on IMDb. So probably not a bad show, but yeah, yeah. I, I will say I never watched it. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, what do you make of this candidate? <laughs> anyway, this candidate, I, I think it's really, really interesting. I mean, super, super numbers, 740, 3.5 GPA, um, and, and so forth. Don't teach for America. Uh, been to a top ten law school, um, and and sort of has waited to do an MBA until they really figured that that's what they want to do. They've done three years as a big law associate. 
uh, yeah, you've, you've described it all. Um, so I, I think there's a, a lot, a lot to like here. Um, there's a couple of things I really want them to focus on and think long and hard about. One is they're going to be an older candidate, so they're going to really need to um, hone in on the fit, why now is the right time, um, and how they're going to really um, thrive in the MBA program at this juncture. Um, and, and part of that will also be really understanding each of the schools that they're targeting, how, how that's going to work for them and so forth. So really focus on that. And then secondly, I'd, I'd like to see them focus a bit more on their longer term goal. Um, so in the short term, yep, makes perfect sense. Go do some consulting as you then get to apply a lot of the knowledge that you pick up in the top MBA program. Um, but I'd like, like to see something a little bit more than simply preparing themselves for a leadership road, role down the road. Um, you know, so whether there's a particular industry that they're, they're particularly interested in or whatever it might be, um, they've got plenty of time. They're, they're targeting next season. Um, really think long and hard about what that long-term goal um, should look like because top MBA programs really want people that are passionate and ambitious um, that are really going to make a difference in the long run. And I have no doubt this is the type of candidate that, that will and can do that. Um, but yeah, just like to see a bit more about what that long-term goal looks like, Graham. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I think this person asked us, if I remember correctly, like, should they retake the GMAT or like even, you know, boost the score further? But 740 is fantastic. And I do not think that's where they should spend their time. Uh, I should mention they have okay activities. I mean, obviously they've been in, in you know, kind of um, in the military the last five years. So that's been curtailed a bit. They're overseas, but they do mention that, you know, they do running, they love travel, reading, they mentor new lieutenants um, and former students from their teaching days. So I think they're an active individual. And they also mentioned they were very active in law school. So I think they can bring that to bear in the application process and convince the admissions team that they'll be um, fully on board. I mean, I will say one of the things that I worried about, aside from the need, as you pointed out, for clarity on the goals with the long-term stuff um, is just convincing the admissions team that they're not like a degree collector. And, and so again, just showing how they're going to get involved, what they're going to do as a student should go a long way. But I do agree. I could not agree more. A lot to like, as you often say here, uh, such an interesting background from Teach for America through to the military um, legal role. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of positives here and I think they're going to find success. Just follow our advice with respect to coming up with a more specific long-term goal and demonstrate your fit and interest in taking part in the school. And just, just you did raise another good point, Graham, in terms of they, they talked about retaking the GMAT. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's time well spent in their case. But, um, but they talked about if they do that, they're going to have to take the new GMAT, which is scored right. on a different scale. Right, um, right. So let's talk about that. What are the implications of someone that's got a, a GMAT score from the traditional scale? and then retook it and got a GMAT <laughs> score, which in its raw numbers will be lower. Lower, right. <laughs> um, but, but, so how are schools gonna handle that? 
I mean, the schools know that, you know, they, they're, they've actually been given some equivalency charts and things from, from GMAC so they can understand how to interpret, you know, because they, they recognize GMAC knows that for the next couple of years, they're likely to see, you know, both types of scores out there in, in, in the wild. So I, it, it's fine. But I, again, in this instance, they don't need to retake. No. But I hear what you're saying. If someone, you know, let's say you have a 710 and you're thinking, I got to go back and get a better score to be competitive at a top school. And lo and behold, you land at a, you know, six, you know, 85 or something like the schools will know, um, that that's, I, I don't know what that equates to, but I think it's much higher. Right. So it's, it's, um, yeah. <laughs> that the schools have literally, I saw it somewhere. There's like a chart that they can use yeah. to help. Understand and, and they'll end up having to report both, both averages over yeah. the next two or three years, because even in two or three years time, some folks will be using the traditional score because it lasts for five years. So yeah, they'll report tricky. both. They'll yeah. have to report both, and um, you know <laughs> the the rankings agencies will have to compute both. Yeah, that'll be interesting to yeah. see how that evolves. Um, so, in any event, so best of luck to that um, Canada. I should mention they they left us a really nice remark somewhere in, in the yeah, thing they where they the said pod. they love. Yeah, been listening for years. They said so. They're um, maybe, so they can't maybe, get that time back. Yeah, maybe this time I won't post the link in their comments to see if they actually do genuinely listen. <laughs> um, so in any event, thank them. I want to just thank them for their service, but also yeah. for tuning in uh, all the time. It sounds like so that's great. Uh, let's move on and talk about Wiretaps candidate number two. So our second candidate is applying to start this coming fall um, and has six schools on the target list. Those schools are Tuck, Harvard, Michigan Ross, uh, Chicago Booth, Wharton, and Yale. Uh, Pre-MBA, this person's been working in the classical music industry. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that before, so very interesting. Uh, They want to get into consulting after business school. GRE score is a 326, and their GPA is a 3.69. They've got three years of work experience, and they did add a little bit of color by mentioning that they're looking to pivot to management consulting after three years of working in operational and strategic roles at top classical music companies and experiencing the limitations of an industry that is constantly in panic mode due to poor funding and short-sighted management. Um, And so one other thing this candidate mentions is that they want to return to the arts in the longer term, bringing kind of consulting honed management skills uh, with them, right? So uh, the other thing I should mention before we get into the discussion here is that this person uh, was PBK at an Ivy undergrad and PBK uh, stands for Phi Beta Kappa. So very good student at an Ivy League school, very diverse coursework, math minor, ancient languages study, music. Uh, They also took a lot of graduate level courses while they were an undergrad. And then from a personal standpoint, this person is multiracial. They mentioned black, white, and Hispanic, uh, female, lots of college activities, performing arts, literary societies, archeological digs, debate, Etc. So lots going on. Uh, Alex, what do you make of this person? I, sh- I should mention that their quantitative result on the GRE, which they pointed out um, they're not super happy with, was a 156. And that equates to like a 57th percentile. So, yeah, what do you make of this candidacy? Because otherwise, pretty amazing, but there is maybe this little bit of a concern on the GRE math section. Yeah, I mean, they bring a lot of diversity to the program, not least of which industry diversity. Um, and, you know, that, that kind of stuff really adds, I think, to their overall profile. Um, we don't see too many folks going to a top 
MBA program from the classical music industry or whatever, however, you, well, from the performing arts more generally, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so that will play really well for this candidate. There's lots of other stuff to like about them too, um, no doubt. Um, and you know, their GPA is really super strong. Their overall G- GRE score is very good too. It's just this imbalance of the 156 quant score that will stand out, um, you know, given that everything else looks really, really strong. So I would just encourage them um, to, and I think they might actually be applying this season, so maybe they've already applied, but even so, to look at doing business fundamentals or something um, of its equivalent, just to show um, that they're academically ready to thrive in the curricula. Now, they've got some quant... They, they, they minored in math, so, so, so you know, at the end of the day, I think they're going to be fine, but if they do this additional step, I think it will play really well um, in admissions. And again, I really like their long-term vision to return to arts, um, you know, come back to the arts, bringing their consulting home management skills and hopefully MBA developed and consulting home management skills. Um, I think that's really good. And that gets back to the point with our first candidate. This candidate has a real interest, interesting long-term goal where they can really make that impact um, based on their experiences to date um, and so on and so forth. So that will play really well in admissions. Um, so, so yeah, Graham, there's a lot to like here. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think even if they've already applied doing business fundamentals yeah. and, and providing schools with the score, it might just help prevent them from like landing on a wait list. Or if they do land on a wait list, it'd be good to have in their arsenal of stuff they could pull out to show, yeah. you know, that they're really dedicated. But otherwise, what an interesting candidacy. And I do agree with you on the long-term goal. It's a nice connection to past experience and is exactly what was kind of missing in the first candidacy. So yeah, I think there's, as you said, a lot to like here. Uh, I guess, you know, one of the things I that was challenging for me is, you know, you see this kind of lower quant score and then you see the math minor and and it's sort of like the two don't add up. So that was what was concerning. Like if this person had been purely humanities, you'd say, okay, they're a little weak in this domain. And, um, but the math minor makes you think that they should get a good math score. So that's why this is kind of, um, being flagged by, at least by me. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And, and I imagine that prep for the GRE probably, um, maybe they under underestimated the importance of that yeah, it's aspect. Possible. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, so, in any event, I want to thank that person for their post uh, on the site, and 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 yeah, they're going to bring a lot to any program they attend. They have a pretty, you know, they set their sights pretty high, but I think it's reasonable given given the numbers and the background. So, well, um, we'll see how it turns just, out. Just a quick question, though, Graham. What about retaking that GRE? I mean, they could. Uh, I mean, the main thing that would happen, I think, is if they were to get, let's say, a 330 with a much better math score, yeah. is that not only would it increase their odds of, you know, getting into some of these schools or help them if they were waitlisted, but it might also move the meter on scholarship dollars yeah, exactly. that they could see coming their way. So that's something to think about. But it is, I mean, we're kind of far along. If they applied in round two, um, they're, they're running out of time <laughs> to, to, to change it. But Yeah, but they've got a perfect score on their verbal, Yeah, I think right? you're right, yeah. So, so if they can really hone up on that quant, they're going to get a really crazy good score. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, so all food for thought. I want to thank them for sharing their profile. Um, let's move on and talk about our last candidate. So this is Wiretap's candidate number three. 
So as we've been doing the last few weeks, Alex, you, you picked a decision wire candidate, uh, a post, and it's about a candidate who uh, is undecided about where to attend. They've been accepted to a couple of schools. They indicate they applied to NYU and to UNC Keenan Flagler, and they're, again, starting this fall. And they were admitted to Stern and UNC. Uh, the main difference is that UNC is offering them a $110,000 scholarship, and Stern isn't offering them any money. They want to work in technology after business school. They mentioned Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, uh, Microsoft, and maybe Tesla as well. Uh, this candidate has a 3.66 GPA. That was the only counting stat they shared. I don't know if they um, waived the GMAT or just didn't want to share it, but that's all we have. Um, they're located in Lima, Peru. And they mention that they say, I have an accounting and finance background working in Peru. I plan to work in, at a tech company like Google or Microsoft or Apple or similar, maybe following a finance path or switch, but within the tech industry. So they said the factors they're considering in trying to make this decision are scholarship received, so again, 110,000 from UNC, zero from NYU, uh, career impact of both schools in technology. Number three, whether or not they can find a lender because they only have $20,000 in personal funds that they can put towards the degree. And then four, they have a wife and a daughter. So those are the kind of factors they're mulling over and they were looking for some advice on this. So Alex, I'm gonna turn this over to you. What, what do you think this person should do? I mean, we're featuring this person because obviously they, they um, got into Stern, our unofficial sponsor of, of this show. <laughs> this is a classic sort of dilemma, right? Um, you've got a good scholarship from a, a school that's in a tier below um, another school. So on a relative scale, it's, you know, 110,000 versus no, no scholarship. Um, so, um, so that's, that's challenging. Um, and, you know, their personal circumstance as an international student um, who has limited resources and also is, um, you know, bringing family and so on and so forth, so therefore additional costs, additional considerations, um, really makes this a challenging decision, I think, um, um, either way. If they really wanted that career to be in New York City um, post-MBA, um, then, then obviously that would tilt the balance in favor of Stern because they could do in-semester type stuff and, and network more aggressively and so on and so forth. Um, but maybe in this case, I would, I would challenge them to really look at Keenan Flagler's um, placement in tech um, and really focus on how realistic um, um, their, their opportunities would be coming out of Keenan Flagler. I mean, are they planning to go back to Peru um, in the short term or, or stay in the U.S. for a little while, go back to Peru and really sort of iron out um, um, that decision making? The other thing that I would think about, Graham, is the current environment in tech is pretty brutal. Um, so what is their backup, right? So if tech becomes less realistic over the next year or so, um, what, what, you know, are they looking at maybe doing some um, investment banking or, or something different to then pivot into tech um, at, 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 a, at a later date? So I might even explore what my backup options are here and whether, again, Keenan Flagler um, could get them there yeah. um, or, or the value, you know, Stern really is a stepwise up based off of what they're, they're looking at. There's no, you know, 
we the, those tears that we often talk about are there for a reason, right? Stern should make all this more accessible. But there's a big cost here. And, and for this particular candidate, funds are going to be really important. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of issues here. And I think one of the things um, that I was sort of mulling over is the fact that I believe both UNC and Stern are schools that ask you when you're applying for a kind of a backup plan. Um, we always point okay. this out because in their in their career kind of goals, they often say, I think it's these two schools that will ask you like, okay, what happens if you can't do your main you know, target? What, what's your next plan? Um, so hopefully this candidate's thought about that. But I do agree, you know, this might be, I mean, we've seen it. Most schools are down with tech placements. And so it's been a bit of a struggle and we yeah. see continued kind of layoffs in the sector. So it would be good for them to have a, you know, I don't know if it's investment banking, but maybe they could do finance or a leadership development program for a financial company like American Express. I mean, there are lots of jobs out there in, in that domain, but something to consider. Uh, I do think that you're, you're right. I mean, do the research on, on Kenan Flagler. I, I wonder what they think also about like, what kind of experience do they want to have for their wife and daughter? Um, you know, is it they're looking for maybe the wife's going to work or something? So, you know, they, yeah. they might need to think about where they want to be because obviously New York City and, and Chapel Hill are pretty different places um, for, for on a number of levels. Right. So that's something to consider. Uh, and then, you know, I would just I mean, yeah, the finding a lender is going to be really important. Um, so they need to figure that out. I, I did. I couldn't help but wonder if they'd applied to other schools. I mean, they mentioned they applied to these two and got into these two, but I sort of wondered if there were others because it seems like kind of a narrow list. And I, you know, I was thinking about, oh, you know, shouldn't they have applied to like you know University of Washington Foster if they really want to work in tech and and kind of land right in the in the heart of all that? Um, or you know, there are a number of schools that could help too. And so I was sort of puzzling over that. Um, Anyway, it's something just to think about here because, you know, and, and then the other thing you and I talked about before we came on air is I wonder why they didn't apply to the tech MBA at Stern, um, which is a one-year program. So therefore maybe a little less expensive, um, but perhaps because they have such a finance and accounting background, yeah. they didn't think that that was the right fit for them. I, I don't know if, you know, if that was a factor, if they thought about that, but in any event, yeah, this is a challenge. And I think, you know, you could argue that Stern has not only the prestige yeah, and yeah, the ranking yeah. and stuff, but also, you know, a pretty good footprint with tech because of that tech MBA offering that they have. So yeah, it's, but, it, but, you know, again, $110,000 is nothing to scoff at. So something to consider. Um, hopefully we've given them some good <laughs> food for thought, if not an outright decision here, but it's, yeah, I, I don't envy them because it is a challenge with, you know, moving with family and all these other factors they've got to consider. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's a challenge, but it, it brings across the point that, um, that, that, Basically, um, um, for one person, Stern might be, be the best option, but for a different person with different um, issues related, then then Keenan Flagler might be the best option. So, so keeping both those, keeping that in mind, it's not that it's always one school over the other. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and that's why we have these discussions, because it, it really does depend on the candidate and, and their kind of personal situation in many cases or their goals. I mean, there's so many um, factors. But in any event, I appreciate you picking this out. Um, next week, we won't have one that has Stern in it. We'll see. <laughs> um <clears throat> but but in any event, and actually we have a new sponsor, um, and I don't know when that sponsorship is starting, but we have a new sponsor for the show. We're just ironing out some of the details, so that probably will start next week. We'll see. Very I'll good. keep you posted. Very good. <laughs> um, all right, so let's record another one next week, if you're willing, and uh, yeah, I'll see you then, Alex. Very good. Stay safe, everyone. Take care.